All right, so those of you that are familiar with the area, if you go out of our street and you turn right on McMullen Booth and you make a a U-turn, a legal U-turn, right, which is not the first intersection, right? It's the second one. How many of you got tickets before right there? Oh, you started to raise your hand. We haven't had communion yet. Be honest. Who's had a ticket there? All right, so you make that U-turn. And you go on McMullen Booth, and you're coming up to the Courtney Campbell Causeway. Are you with me so far? All right, so you go to Courtney Campbell Causeway. You can go east, or you can go west. You can turn left, which is east, and the east will take you toward airport, Rocky Point, Bahama Breeze. I know the restaurants, okay? (laughs) Or if you go to the right, to the west, you will go to the beach. You will hit Clearwater Beach, right? All right. So, so far, so good. Anybody directly challenged so far understand this? All right. You're on I-75. If you go south, you're going to go to, that's right, St. Pete or Sarasota or wherever. If you go north, you're going to end up somewhere. Okay, great. So far, so good. All right. So you know this. The road that you're on determines the direction of your life. And the direction will ultimately determine your destination. Everybody in this room, you're on a road. And the road you're on, whether you realize it or not, has a guaranteed destination. Every road will lead you somewhere. You cannot turn right and go west on 60 and get to the airport conveniently. Okay, I guess you can get there somehow, but not conveniently, right? So everybody in the room understands that you are on a road, there is a direction of your life, and the direction of your life will lead you to your destination. So the question is this, are you on the road you want to be on? Are you headed toward the destination that is what you want to do? Are you on the right road? You're on a road. Everybody in the room is on a road. Let me unpack this just a little bit. School's out, but let's say you're on the road to blow off school. Anybody in the room ever been on that road? Okay, if you're raising kids, don't admit that. Don't acknowledge that. But so you're on the road to blow off school. Where does that road lead? Maybe you got to retake the class. Maybe you lose the scholarship. Maybe you have to, um, like, get kicked out of a program. The road to blowing off school will ultimately lead you to a guaranteed destination, right? Let's say in life you don't want to be a hard worker. You want to be a lazy worker. You just want to kind of get through life. Where does that lead you? There's a guaranteed destination where that road leads. Let's say that you want to abuse alcohol. There is a guaranteed road, a guaranteed destination that irresponsible alcohol abuse will lead you, right? Everybody knows that? Everybody disagree with that? Fiscal irresponsibility. Where does the road of fiscal irresponsibility lead? Everybody in the room knows that. Let's say that you're dating somebody that's not healthy. You're dating somebody that's crazy. Where does that end up? up, You're on the crazy road, right? I mean, you you know that. It's going to land somewhere where you probably do not want to be. Now, the opposite is also true. You're on the road to work really hard in school. You know where that lands. That road has a pretty good path. 
you're on the road to work really hard at, at your job or your business. That's a much better road if you want promotions and raises and more income, right? If you're on the road to, you know what, I want to learn about money. And so I learn about Dave Ramsey and I study Dave Ramsey or whoever you want to study. That's a, that's a road that teaches you some fiscal responsibility. Or you're asking some people in the room who are a little older than you and they've made some relational mistakes and they've done some things really, really well relationally. And you ask them, how do you have a good marriage? Oh, honey, 10 years ago, or hey, you know, t- five years ago, we made these mistakes. But you know today that you're on the better road. And so you ask somebody who's on the right road how to have a good marriage or how to have good relationships. Everybody in the room knows that. You're on a road spiritually. Everybody in this room is on a spiritual road. Now, some of those roads, God's not invited. And so some people in this world, and maybe a few of you in this room, you're on a road where God's really not in the bus. You've left God at home. Or you've put God in a shoebox, and, and, and God's like in the shoebox, and he's in the back of the closet, and you leave those old shoes back there in that back part of the closet, and once or twice a year, you pull that shoebox out. Maybe it's Christmas Eve. Maybe it's when you have a great need. But, but honestly, for most of the people who are, who are godless, they don't put God in and on the road any time during the course of the year. Others of you in this room you're passionate about God. You're crazy about God. Well, there have been some moments where maybe you've got off from the rest stop and you've had a little derail, but most of your life, you can't wait to come to God. On a Sunday in July, you're here today because you want to know more about God's will for your life. You're in a small group. You read the Bible. You pray. You actually love people, and you try to help people come to Christ or come to church. And so everybody in this room is on a road. Jesus says this. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, there are two roads. Jesus says this, Matthew 7, 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many people enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, And only a few, only a few find that. In our series on legends, there's no question Jesus Christ is an amazing legend. No one ever taught like Jesus. No one ever had the authority like Jesus. Nobody had the the ability to lay down their own life and take it back up again. A legend among all legends. But we're going to talk about an Old Testament legend this morning. And this Old Testament legend prophesied over five kings. He outlived five kings, and he prophesied over 40 years. And what is so amazing to me about this story is the whole land went away from God. The whole land decided we're not on God's road. God is, we're not on that journey. And everybody just disbanded from God, and yet this guy named Jeremiah, he only had four friends. And Jeremiah and his secretary was a guy named Baruch, that's a cool name, isn't it? Baruch, and and three other friends, they were the only ones that were faithful in the whole land, and they remained faithful to God the whole course of their lives. Now, here's the deal. If Jeremiah and three or four of his friends could stay faithful to God, 
when millions and millions and millions of all the people around them ran away from God, there's hope for you and there's hope for me. And Jeremiah didn't even have the power of the Holy Spirit, which you have and I have today. We have the spirit of the living Christ living inside of us today. So to me, Jeremiah is like this amazing legend. He's an amazing person. So let's first of all talk about Jeremiah the man. Here's Jeremiah the man. Jeremiah chapter 1 says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. In other words, millions of people have gone astray. You want me to be the prophet? Are you kidding me? I can't even talk well, and I'm too young. Look at verse 7. Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched my mouth. And I love that. Because every time God has an opportunity for you, he will equip you. God has never called any of you to do anything for him until he equips you. And when he equips you, you are far more equipped to do your ministry than you could ever dream or imagine. He reached out his hand, he touched my mouth, and he said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. Get yourself ready. Stand up. And do not say to them whatever, and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Now, that's a pretty good threat, isn't it? I mean, that got my attention right there. Today, we're going to come back to this last part. Today, I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Wow. Against the kings, officials, priests. You're going to be alone, Jeremiah. You're pretty much going to be alone. But I've made you a pillar of iron, and I've made you a bronze wall, and I've made you a fortified city. You're going to be able to stand against kings and priests and prophets. They will fight against you, but they won't overcome you. For I'm with you, and I will rescue you. That's the goal for me, for you today. Everybody in this room can be a legend. What a great story. Well, here's the problem. Chapter 2. The, the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me, and you followed me through the wilderness, uh, through a land that was not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook all of Israel's enemies, declares the Lord. In other words, I took care of you. But hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob and all you clans of Israel. Here's where the music begins to change just a little bit. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and they became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord and who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines? a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. In other words, God's saying, I took care of you. What's going on? I took care of you. I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and its rich produce. But you came and you defiled my land and you made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask. Now here's the priests. The priests were in on this. 
The priests did not ask, where's the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets, pro- the prophets prophesied Baal following worthless idols. And during the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree, and she has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. By now the kingdom's divided into, into two parts. The northern part is Israel. The southern part is Judah. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear, and she also went out and committed adultery. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land, and she committed adultery with stone and wood. Uh, That means they made idols. They had a bunch of idol worship in, in the land. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. And the Lord said to me, Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. Go and proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You've rebelled against the Lord your God. You've scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree, and you've not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Now hang with me for about six or seven more verses, okay? Can you do that? Are you still with me? I want to read some verses out of chapter 7, and then I'll make some application, so don't get lost right now. Are you good? Are you sure? All right, here's chapter 7. Here we go. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, If you do not oppress the foreigner or the fatherless or the widow and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place in the land I gave your ancestors forever and forever. Will you steal and murder? Will you commit adultery and perjury? Will you burn incense to Baal and follow other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, we are safe, we are safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? Remember when Jesus said that in the New Testament? When Jesus said, my house will not be a house, be a house of prayer but not a den of robbers? That's the quote from Jeremiah. But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Will you then tell, will you tell this Will you tell them all this? They will not listen to you. And when you call to them, they will not answer. In verse 28, here's the last verse. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. Jeremiah is a legend. He's got four friends. The entire land went spiritually AWOL. Nobody is following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
It is an amazing story of how all these people went astray. Now, here's the great news for us today. All of us in this room, we can be Jeremiah's. This is not a stretch. The power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and living inside of me can help us to be just like the big J. Jeremiah, he was faithful in his deeds. He was faithful and careful with his words. He was fiercely loyal. He was fiercely loyal to his heavenly father. And Jeremiah, he just clung to God. He loved God more than he loved the praise of man. He loved God more than the fear of what other people would do to him. Jeremiah was so devoted to his heavenly father all the days of his life. Now, I'm getting ready to show you a clip from a movie. And it's kind of, you know, we're halfway into the message, and you'd think it'd be a nice, soft little clip. This isn't. This is a clip from the movie Dilemma. And it's from Vince Vaughn and Kevin James. And it's a clip at the end of this movie, and there's a quote that I want you to catch. And the quote actually comes from 1980 when the Americans were getting ready to defeat the Russians in the incredible hockey game of all of history. And so Vince Vaughn stands up on the bleachers, and he really quotes the, quotes the coach of that 1980 Olympic team. So it's a little loud. It's a little... I'm, I'm just warning you, okay? I'm just warning you. This isn't normal church. If you've come from a normal stiff church, you're going to be a little freaked out at this point, all right? I'm just warning you. That's all I can say. All right, let's look at the first clip. Here, go, here it is. He just has to stay calm. So Nick Brennan, that was your second shot. But if you score on your third and final attempt, you can still win a trip for two to the NHL All-Star Game in Carolina. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, good luck. Dude, seats are taken. It's between periods. I got food. What are you, a hall monitor? I'm not touching your food. I know the guy. Great moments are born from great opportunities. That's what you have here tonight, Nick. That's what you've earned here tonight. One shot. You take it 10 times, you might miss nine. But not this shot, Nick. Not tonight. All right, all right, now catch the quote. I want you to catch the quote. I'm going to show you just the quote one more time. Here we go. Great moments are born from great opportunities. That's what you have here tonight, Nick. That's what you've earned here tonight. One shot. You take it ten times, you might miss nine. But not this shot, Nick. Not tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunities. You have amazing opportunities. Do you know what you have? Do you know what's right in front of you? You're in a family. 
you're in a neighborhood, you're in an apartment complex, you're a single woman in an in a office that might be filled with, with men. You're a single man. That's an opportunity to, to provide and to protect. You're, you're, you're a, a business owner. You're, you're a mom. Do you know what opportunities as a mom? You're, you get to be a dad. You get to be a grandfather. You get to be an uncle. You're an aunt. Everybody in this room, we have great opportunities. Great moments are born from great opportunities. I think God gives us more opportunities than we know what to do with. I, I think today you will have opportunities for those great moments. And those great moments, it's a waitress. It's a kid. It's a nephew. It's a neighbor. Tomorrow morning, these great moments are all around us. And we can be fiercely loyal to Christ. And just like Jeremiah, we can say the right words because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do the right deeds because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be fiercely loyal. Everybody else around you may talk a certain way, may act a certain way, may think a certain way, may respond a certain way, may react a certain way, but not you. Not you. Great moments are born from great opportunities. Why? Look what he says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17. Don't miss this. Jeremiah chapter 1, he says, get yourself ready. God didn't save you so you could sit in a pew and stew. God saved you for action. God saved you for for you to be something. God saved you for you to do something. He put you in an opportunity, and you have a great moment. Every man, every woman in this room, we have great greatness all around us. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. And here's the verse I want you to cling to. I've committed this verse to memory. Get yourself ready. Because today I've made you a fortified city. I've made you an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ will make you a fortified city. He will make you strong in the workplace. He will make you strong in the culture. He will make you strong in the community. Can you imagine if every one of us in this room, we realize that we are a fortified city because we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us? And we're pillars of iron, and we're walls of bronze, and we will stand for truth, and we will stand for Christ, and we will live the kind of lives that Christ has called us to live. It's amazing what Jeremiah promises through the power of God. Three quick promises I want to give to us I want, in a bulletin. If you're, if you're a bulletin note taker, I want to give this, these to you. Because you see, what he says in Jeremiah, he says there's no limit to what God can do in your life. I should say there's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to what I can do in your life. That's what Jeremiah is saying. That's right. Jeremiah is saying, I, I can do this. Here's the verse. Ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Look at the second one. You can ask me anything, and I'm going to answer you. Here's what he says in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and I will tell you unsearchable things, things you do not know. And in Jeremiah, he promises to make you this, this fortified city, this pillar of iron, this wall of bronze, because he will make you stronger than your challenges and your challengers. And here's our verse again out of that. I've made you this. 
I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against whatever it is you need to stand against. Great moments are born from great opportunities. What are your opportunities? You're on the road of opportunity, and they're all in front of you, and they're all around you. So I want to ask for you guys to go ahead and pass out communion right now. As they pass out communion, uh, perhaps you can just realize the, the value of the God's given before you. Um, this past couple weeks ago, Pat Summit died. I think you know who Pat Summit is, a coach of the Lady Vols, one of the most successful coaches of all time. Go ahead and pass out communion if you want to and just hold the loaf in the cup. And Pat Summit passed away, and um, she had 38 winning seasons. She won eight national championships. She won a silver medal, medal as a player in 1976. She won a gold medal as the coach in 1984 of the Olympics. Um, this was an amazing coach, woman, athlete. And when she passed away, it was spread out all over the world, newscasts, newspapers, everywhere. Same week, almost to the same day, a pastor in Lexington, Kentucky by the name of Wayne Smith died. And Wayne Smith in Lexington, Kentucky preached for 40 years. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people became Christians. Wayne Smith impacted the community of Lexington, Kentucky like nobody's business. But he didn't get his picture on the front page of USA Today like Pat Summit did. Wolf Blitzer wasn't talking about Wayne Smith. He was talking about Pat Summit. And Pat Summit was a great lady. But in the kingdom of God, Pat Summit, Wayne Smith. Pat Summit won some basketball games. Wayne Smith won people to Christ. Wayne Smith helped people to get their sins forgiven. He got people to go to heaven. Pat Summit's a great lady. I'm a Vols fan. But Wayne Smith is a hero. He's a legend. And that's what every single one of us in this room can be. We have such an amazing opportunity to be legends. Listen to some of these testimonies, but I think some of these legends in the room. Well, we just wanted to share some of the worship leaders' testimonies with you. Um, because you see us up here every week, and we wanted to share some of the, the journeys and the roads that we took to find the Lord. And so um, I'll start. I was raised in a Christian family. My parents were pastors. And so I fell in love with Christ at a really young age. And um, the reason I did is because of the authenticity of my parents. I saw them faithfully coming, giving, serving, being so faithful in all that they did that it was something that I believed and wanted. And God came real to me for my own faith when I was 11 years old at a camp and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell me that I was going to be a worship leader in the South, and I was from the North. And so I told my parents, and uh, we spent a lot of time preparing for that with music lessons, and, and here I am, 28, leading worship in the South. So God's faithfulness has carried me so many times, and um, the road that I chose to find the Lord was to follow in my parents' footsteps and stay on the road of faithfulness. And for that, that means that I've had to say no to a lot of things that young adults have to say, that get to say yes to. Um, but I've gotten to say yes to a lot of things that have been way more adventurous and fun in my life. So, My name is Desiree. I grew up in a Christian home and I was abused. I ran away from God as far as I possibly could. 
When you intentionally run from God, it becomes very tiring. I was so tired. I found myself in the back of a church, um, just wanting to be there for peace, just wanting for the chaos of my life, just to be able to be silent. And I knew from when I was a child that that's what God does for you in church. So I sat there for a few weeks and really wasn't paying attention, but I can remember looking around the people around me in the church and I just thought, wow, some of these people, they have Jesus. I've gone so far away. There is no way that he will ever take me back. But I kept going. And eventually I started paying attention. I got into a Bible study um, where I could ask questions about God, who he was to me, who I am to him. And in his word, he taught me that I am forgiven, I am worthy, and I am a child of God. Hi, my name is Jean-Marc. Um, I too grew up in a Christian family. My parents were pastors, or well, my dad was a pastor. Um, so I grew up as a PK, and um, yeah, life as a pastor's kid was full of all kinds of pressure. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to describe or share that with you, but I remember uh, growing up just kind of playing church, not really making my faith real to, or something that I can say was what I believed. I just really just did what my parents did. It wasn't until uh, towards the end of high school, beginning of college, I, start, I started going through some things. My friends were going through things, and life kind of got real at that point. There was no more playing, you know, and I kind of went a little ways from God. Uh, but I did, I ended up going to a camp, and, um, you know, I heard, I felt God's voice, and I, and, I, and I heard him talk to me and tell me how much he loves me and, um, you know, the gifts that he's given me. And just I felt his love and his grace, and my faith started to become real, more real to me uh, as from that point on. And, um, you know, every day he continues to show me that he loves me and he continues to bless me with his grace. Uh, my name is Ethan, and I grew up as a pastor's kid as well. And he spoke a little bit of that pressure. And, um, you know, people's eyes are on you, whether you're going to be the typical rebellious preacher's kid or you're actually going to maybe follow in the footsteps. And so I kind of lived under this lifestyle of always trying to give off this perception uh, that I had it all together and uh, that I had it figured out and that, that I was going to be successful. And, and so, you know, you just live for everyone else. And not until I really started to get alone, started to listen to the voice of God, um, did I realize that I don't have to be a slave to the fear of being caught. I don't have to be a slave to the fear of people perceiving me differently. I don't have to be a slave to any of this that God does love me, that he does have a plan, he have a purpose for my life. And so um, it's an it's a amazing journey, amazing walk that I'm continuing to journey on and desire to journey well. And the road that um, Jesus chose was the straight and the narrow road. And from Jeremiah, which was the prophet that we were talking about today, it says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and I led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds 
and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And so for Jesus to fulfill this prophecy means that he had to walk that narrow path. And though he could choose to go off of it, he knew the Father's will and he knew that he, he was the one that would fulfill the prophecy of forgiven sins. So as we take our communion today, let's remember that. Let's remember that he walked the road to Calvary. He walked that straight uphill road to Calvary with a cross on his back. And he stayed faithful to the journey to fulfill it. And God, would you help us to stay faithful to the journey that you have for us so we can get the fullness of it, so we can get the fullness of the promise that you have for us.